You're tuned in to The Show on the Road, a new podcast where I interview songwriters, band leaders, and musicians from around the world. My name is Zach Lupiton. This week on the show, my conversation with a Southern California-based singer-songwriter who transports listeners into a vibrant technicolor world with her deeply vulnerable finger-pick ballads and thornily theatrical story songs, drowning us in a cocktail of equal parts champagne-soaked old-school Hollywood glamour and dusty Laurel Canyon pop poetry, Jamie Drake. Let me ask you this. When was the last time you went to a really good house concert? I mean, the kind where you pay $2 at the door, you sit on a rug elbow to elbow with a hundred strangers, you close your eyes, and then you let a single voice lift you to the ceiling and keep you there for a little while. Sure, the economics of it, not great, but it still may be the most pure way to really listen to talented songwriters that are hidden in plain sight all around you. That's where I met Jamie a raven-haired veteran fixture of the Southern California underground folk scene. She's zigzagged in and out of different bands, been a sought-after co-writer and singer with folks like My Morning Jackets, Jim James, and Moby. She's taught kids like an effervescent Mary Poppins at various schools, running around with her guitar. And while for 10 years or so, we both were crisscrossing the same small concert halls and house parties and saloons, speakeasies from Venice to Hollywood to Pasadena and back, trying to get someone, anyone, to notice what we were doing, we somehow totally just missed each other and I've just now been able to really dive into her music. It's like listening to a young Carol King writing a Broadway musical but singing it on the moon? Maybe that doesn't make any sense. I don't care but I got an advanced copy of the new record. It's called Everything's Fine and I almost cried when I got to the end of it. I don't really cry. Um, maybe during like happy moments in weird movies like Pieces of April when the neighbors all come over for Thanksgiving. But besides that, it takes a lot to make me cry. And she did it. And I'm glad I was able to convince her to brave the east side to west side traffic to talk about her uh, nomadic childhood and how she overcame divorce and heartbreak and how she's kind of the ultimate late bloomer, finally giving herself permission to be her jumpy, jazzy, wild-eyed self on stage and when the lights are off in this thing we call real life. And you know what? We could all use a little more permission to be our weird, wacky selves. So if she's playing a living room concert or a concert hall near you, do me a favor, let her lift you up like Mary Poppins right off the ground for a few minutes. You'll thank me later. Without further ado, here she is now, Jamie Drake. Are, from what I've read, are, are characters. Oh, totally. Yes. And you, you kind of grew up singing with your dad a bit in Michigan, right? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, my dad is a songwriter, and my brother and I would sit around and listen to him play his songs. I remember being in about like kindergarten, maybe, and, and just like the three of us would sing his songs, and I remember the sound of what I would later realize was harmony. 
coming out of my mouth. And I was like this little human being. And I was like, whoa, it was like the most magical thing ever. Cause it just kind of, I naturally heard this thing. Um, but yeah, my dad, my dad being a, a musician had like a big, has had a big effect on my, my life journey. When you were a kid and you moved around a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. seven different states when you were a kid or something? Um, let's see. I was born in Ohio. We moved to Florida, then to Arkansas, then back to Ohio. Then my mom got remarried and we moved to South Carolina. And then we moved to Michigan. So like, and then after high school, I went to New York. But I went to nine different elementary schools before the fifth grade. Good Lord. Yeah, and and a lot of the time we would move in the middle of the school year. Ugh. So I was always like the new kid showing up somewhere and just totally shy and terrified. Like having that spotlight on me without it being my choice mm. was always something that And you're an introvert, right? I mean I'm pretty I can I can be extroverted, but I am more introverted. So it's it, it depends. I'm like kind of in the middle when it comes to that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, not ha- not having that choice to be able to feel like you can show up on the first day of school and just know everybody and feel comfortable with yourself was like, it was not, was that's like a privilege that a lot of people experience that you don't realize like, wow, that was like a, that's a privilege because, you know, you're, when you're so little, like you're you're developing your entire personality and if things at home are dysfunctional and you're always showing up to places and being a new person and that's dysfunctional like that's a lot of unfortunately it's a lot of like uh, knots to untie when you're in your 20s and like <laughs> I think I need therapy <laughs> basically and you know I think like because we're human beings we're not perfect and we're always not feeling finished and I feel like even to a smaller degree with, with quote unquote healthy people, like no one has this like complete feeling of like, I mean, I feel absolutely complete. There isn't one thing that I'm, I am without or whatever. And then it's, I think it's that feeling of like feeling like you're unfinished. Like there's, and, and that's, that's the beautiful part about life too, is like we're constantly evolving and like, you know, Every seven years, I think we're we all of our like cells regenerate and we literally become like another person. So it's like we're constantly regenerating and like becoming new. It's kind of it's it's kind of crazy to think about actually, but beautiful. I mean the the title track of your upcoming record, uh, Everything's Fine, mm-hmm. uh, which is a single out already. And it's it's such a cool, almost like Carol King and outer outer space kind of Ooh. vibe for me. Like it's Thank it's you. very confessional and singer songwriter in a classical way, but has this hovering above the world view mm. in my mind, Whoa. and it sort of has this way of sarcastically commenting on sort of everyone's state of being, which is I'm fine, everything's fine, mm-hmm. it's not fine. Mm-hmm. No, and you're yeah. you know, you repeated refrain is you know. It's over, but it's still fine, mm-hmm. you know? And that's, you've had almost a couple lifetimes to draw from at this point, right? Definitely. You know, <laughs> because you, you moved yeah. out to L.A., you know, you had a tumultuous relationship. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, what what type of ways do you process 
failure and and sorrow in a way that, to write songs. Hmm. Processing failure and sorrow. You know, I think I've actually re- realized this recently is that uh, a lot of my creativity is like very much connected to pain and healing and tr- trying to heal myself. And I even like when I was little, when there was uh, when my parents were like screaming at each other or whatever. And I was scared. Like I remembered this recently, actually on Halloween, like I got tricked into going to uh, that Halloween thing at the whatever, where they have chainsaws and stuff. Not scary farm. Uh, something like that. Uh, Universal studio, yeah. you know, like they have all the haunted houses that you go through. They're pretty freaky. I, I hate scary stuff. And then I also have like uh, a bit of hyperacusis in my ears. And so like loud noises are not good for Who me. Who convinced you to go to this? <laughs> my neighbor. It was, I don't know. It was like, it's going to be free food, VIP, whatever. I didn't know it was a Halloween thing. Cause right. it was like literally a month before Halloween. Uh. Anyway, all that to say is like, I was going through the poltergeist, uh, scary house and I was closing my, I just innately was just like going through it and like kind of shutting my ears from the noise and I was singing to myself. Wow. And I was like, oh my God, this is what I did when I was a little kid. I would just sing, I would shut my ears and I would sing to myself. Did you catch what you were singing to yourself? I was just doing like little baby coo noises to myself. And I was like, whoa, this is so crazy. And it made me realize, whoa, that's what I did when I was little. Like this is how I soothed myself. And um, so yeah, I would hear these melodies that would come down and like they would, I would, I learned how to soothe myself with the sound of melody. And, and, and eventually when I started writing like full songs, that was what my process, that's what was music was for. Like I was processing my pain and like confusion about life and different hurts and things I was going through. Um, so like all through my twenties, it was the same. Like I wasn't really pursuing music. Um, I tried, I kind of tried to, I felt sort of prevented from doing that. It just wasn't the right time, honestly. But I mean, it had evolved in my twenties to a point where I had like full songs, but I wasn't, it wasn't at a place. I I remember I had my first manager in New York city. I was 19. He took me around to like some Christian record labels. And I was like, this is not like be the new Katy Perry, dude. I mean, I knew, I knew at 19, like I played for some labels and well, I, I used to like help with worship at this like church in the East village. And so I met him there and he was whatever a manager. He wanted to manage me. So he took me to some Christian labels and I knew then like, I don't want to be on a Christian label. Like I don't write that kind of music. I'm writing music that is just about, about my life, which I've come to later believe is like as Christian as it can get Hmm. because Christians believe that, we're not perfect, you know, and like, well, yeah, I think, into, I think the, the debate of what being a true Christian is pretty heated right now. Sure. Considering of course it's like the people who seem to be most gung ho are also like trying to kick out immigrants. You know, it's like, right. How is that in the same world? Well, I you think know? that's having, you know, government involved with religion is always a terrible idea. So did you grow up a religious Um, I, you know, I, I did grow up going to church, like, and that's one of the places where I found the most, uh, it was like a safe place for me. Mm. Um, and that, that historically is what the church is for. It's for people to find a a safe harbor. And that's what it was for me. And a lot of people have had bad experiences from being made to go to church when they were little and stuff. Like for me, it was like, 
I would go there with my grandma and I loved the music and I, I loved, I connected with a source there Mm -hmm. and I connected with, that's where I found God. Like Mm -hmm. I found like a father, Mm -hmm. like figure in my life and where I didn't really have a father figure. So, um, yeah, I grew up with that believing that, um, like God is my father and God will take care of me kind of thing. Father, like in a much broader universal sense or like actually like a father figure watching over you? I would say both, I guess, you know, like both of my parents were kind of all over the place. And so for me, that was like, uh, that was like the, that was the thing that I was able to hold on to, Mm. to, uh, find hope and like Mm -hmm. peace and yeah, there's, there's a new song that's not out yet of yours called make a spark Mm-hmm. That has this opening refrain of, you know, why does it hurt so much to decide to be happy? Yeah, I think is what it is, and and that's for me so much about what, not necessarily religion, but sort of the point of life in many ways, whether it's creating music or just being a good person. It's like, can we choose to be happy? Mm. And how do we get over that hump of doing the things that actually make us happy and leaving the rest aside, Mm -hmm. you know? What do you think is one of your worst habits that you try to get Mm. rid of? Anxiety. You know, I feel like, in speaking to what you're just saying, is like, it's painful to, quote unquote, be happy because you have to be self-aware enough to look at the things that you need to change. And, and, you know, we all have things that we've taken on to ourselves or other people have put on us that it, it, in order to take all of those layers off and get to like who you were when you were born into this world and Mm -hmm. you were just like this beautiful quote unquote, perfect little soul. Like we get all of these things like put on us and we, and we believe things too. Um, so for me, like anxiety is like a really big thing that I'm trying to nip in the bud because I, you know, growing up in a home where I feel like I have to take care of myself. Like, what am I going to do? Like, literally, like, I don't know how to do this because I'm a little kid. Um, anxiety is, that's something that's still in my body. And sometimes I can get not like full on attacks, but I would say that that can be hard for me. You know, can you read me that line of how can you make art when you're a coward in your heart, which is from the make a spark song. Yeah. And make a spark. And that, that refrain repeats a little bit differently every time throughout the song. Right. So, um, the first one I think is I am lying in the dark and I'm afraid I'll make a spark. And then it changes and says, I'm crying in the dark. I just want to make a spark. And then the last one I believe is how can I be a work of art if I'm a coward with my heart? Mm. And so it always changes a little bit because it's sort of that evolution of like, you're asking yourself like at that point in time, I was really afraid to take that step and be ready to step out as my, as me. Mm -hmm. And that was the first song that I wrote actually. 
and, and started recording to make this record because mm. I wrote that when I was in New York City and I was like in this musical and just going through a lot of personal stuff. And so it's been kind of gestating for a long time. Definitely. And, and when I wrote it, I was like, this is the title track of the record. And then I realized this is like the backbone of it maybe, but maybe not the title track, you know. I mean, the sort of having the courage to light up a room sometimes is the dilemma of being a performer and feeling like you're imposing on mm-hmm. people and feeling like, mm-hmm. you know, because that feels like what we have to do a lot of times is come to my show, yeah. look at me, support me. And that feels super squeamish for me a lot of the times yeah. because I feel like I've been asking that same question to people for 20 years. You know, since I've been in bands since high school, putting up posters in Chicago. And mm-hmm. you put up posters on the bulletin board in College of Michigan. And then you put, you know, the stuff on Facebook. And you're constantly being like, "Yeah, look, look, I have, su- I have something to offer that could make you happy. And by, by you being happy, it'll make me happy. Yeah. And, and it's this sort of like fragile position of trying to keep your you're always- story being told without feeling like, People are like, God, is he ever going to stop? You know? Yeah, totally. And it's like you're constantly making yourself vulnerable mm-hmm. because you're asking for people to to su- support what you're doing. Yeah. Do you have it's stage hard. fright? Actually, uh, <laughs> okay, well, sometimes I'll get nervous before a show, but uh, I actually have... I. I'd feel totally comfortable on stage. Awesome. I do. I, and it's, I, I think I know why I think it's, I think part of it is because what I was talking about earlier about moving all the time and always being the new girl and not liking to have that attention on me. Um, and sometimes I still get like squeamish, like maybe in like, uh, at a party and there, I don't know everybody. And like yeah. somebody I like, Ask me a really loud question in front of everybody. And like, I'm like, uh. and there's also like this idea too of like, there was a period of time where I felt sort of invisible in my family because my mom got remarried and, um, they had, they had my three little sisters. And mm-hmm. so there's a whole period of time where I felt like I'd been dethroned and you know, no one takes pictures of me anymore. No one cares. Like, yeah, whatever. It's like poor me. Um, so when I discovered musical theater, like my sophomore year, I got to play Miss Adelaide and Guys Adult, Guys and Dolls, and like everyone was like, "Oh my God!" Like we didn't know that you were so animated. And where all have this you stuff. been? Where have you been? It was just like for me, it was this thing where I was like, "You just haven't been paying attention," you know, in this sort of like poor me thing. Yeah. But I think it's shifted into this thing where it's like, when I get on stage, it's something that I've been able to prepare for. Mm-hmm. And not feel like I'm being put on the spot. And you could also say like, well, I, ha- I feel like I have more control on stage and I'm just controlling or something like that. But that's not really the, I don't know, that's not really what I'm getting at. I guess it's... Um, Let me tell you what I like about your performer <laughs> uh, aura that you have when you get up there. <laughs> don't take this the wrong way. Okay. I feel like there's a thing sometimes when we get on stage where... You try to, you know, you're being watched in some form. You know, people may be taking pictures and you want to like look the most handsome, pretty version of yourself. Right. But I feel like you have this trance that you go in a bit where Mm -hmm. you don't even care maybe what people will think 
of mm. you and that you're going to mm. tell your story and your truth. And you make some crazy faces. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that like in a really fun, like theatrical way where I'm like totally in your story Aww. where you're not like trying to hold back. Where mm. lot, I feel myself a lot mm. of times trying to mm. not be too physical or not be too weird, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, you're kind of a weird guy. Just like go for it, you know? <laughs> I feel like yeah. you go for it a little bit more than me. Aw, thank you. That's so nice to hear. You know, I I feel like... Don't stop making those weird faces. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I just hate it when people take photos of them. No, no, because that's what I'm saying. Some people are like... Yeah. Don't realize, like, yes, my mouth is is like screaming into this mic, ninety percent of the show, and I'm that's what I look like. So totally, I mean, you know, I think I think what you're talking about is I feel like one of my main missions here on Earth to do through music is to is to display freedom and who I am, mm-hmm. so that others can yeah. feel free to be themselves, and that's really cool that I, that actually. I think maybe it is the musical theater background, right? Because I, I feel like in way, in many ways theater is the is sort of the big stage. Right. And yeah. singer-songwriter, you know, band performing is like TV, you know, where right. we're expected to kind of be a little cooler and a little more like <laughs> don't move around too much, just get on, get off, you right. know, look really cool up there in a leather jacket, you know. Oh, so funny. Whereas yeah. like the worlds can like, be one. Totally. It's, it's a stage. Theater, like, There's lights on us. Let's do it. nerds. Like, yeah. oh, God. I was also in marching band. I was such a dork. What did you play? The trumpet? I, yeah, I played the cornet. Never, never whip it out anymore? Um, I, you know, you're the, like the second person to bring that up, so maybe I should no one, try and bring it out. No one would expect it. Man. I still have it, actually. So I think, I, think we, I think we share a love of some old musicals. Oh, yes. Well, there, there's an element, I think, of your songs, especially um, one of the new tunes, Redwood Tree, that has this, like, old school, I, th- I think it's more of like a Wizard of Oz moment where everything <laughs> goes from black and white to Technicolor. It's yeah. like strings and totally. sort of echoey and you don't know what's happening. And then it synthesizes into this more modern beat. Yeah. You know? How did that song happen? Man, well, I wrote that with AJ Manette, and uh, he's like he's the producer of this record, and we've been working together for the last like seven or eight years. We made an EP under a band name called No Bell. Um, we co-wrote and co-produced that, and that came out in 2014. And that was the beginning of our working process together. Like, so when I came back from New York, that was 2015. I and I wrote Make a Spark. I started. I came back and was like, I want to start working on my solo record because I haven't put one out in a long time. Yes, yeah, so AJ and I wrote that song together and just like we were sitting at my in my apartment one day and he, and he was playing his classical guitar. He was playing this it just started off simply like he was like playing this do 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 kind of like to swing in with our music. I was like, oh my God, that's a song. And so then I just like wrote all the lyrics and came up with the verse parts. And it just, so we, we were performing that here and there acoustically. But when I started making this record, near the end of the process, actually, um, I was like, man, that song is so awesome. Maybe we should just, 
maybe we should re redo that, re envision that. So, um, that was definitely a, a collaborative process of he and I like sitting there and thinking about like, how can we make this just insane? Just having this, and it didn't have the intro before. So we came up with the intro part. I sang all of those vocal parts that sound like all like old Hollywood and like yeah. you're imagining women with like feathers on like coming off their head, you know, like, and then like, or, or like the little mermaid, like you have a, like you have a pyramid of women and like having the fe the fanning feathers on themselves. And then you open up these feathers and then here I am coming out of a conch shell or whatever. Like that's what it feels like to me. It's like this mm -hmm. moment, but I don't know if that answers your question. Lockwood and Lamont. <laughs> no, but it has it has that that yeah that sort of old school uh, glamour that uh, I think is kind of hard to replicate now, you mm -hmm. know. And there's a there's a, a vibe in a lot of your tunes. Wonder is another single that's out right now mm -hmm. of this sort of playfully old fashioned storytelling mm, yeah totally i can see that that it has a very it's like a pentatonic kind of thing so it has like almost like this old folk uh melody you could hear it like it, it could be like an appalachia type song or something like there's a podcast called uh i think it's called music from a hundred years ago um and the guy is so funny he's like this square older dude who's just sort of in 1919, 100 years ago, this is what was on your radio. But you hear this sort of stuff that you would never hear anymore that shows how popular music, like the pop music then was almost like operatic jazz, mm. you know, where it kind of was testing out different sonic tapestries, you know, like jazz is is pretty cool right now where it's coming in mm -hmm. but we're still singing like Gilbert and Sullivan singers right you know yeah and does your musical theater background sort of help you create this more sort of theatrical way to tell stories I, I think it definitely plays a role I'm not sure exactly how mm. I mean I think I think it's it definitely melds into that, like, being a kid, like, finding so much joy in musicals, like, uh, getting to pretend, having a, just letting my uh, imagination sort of run wild, like, I think musical theater involves so, so much of that, that I gravitated towards that, and it was, I mean, that's kind of realizing it as I'm talking about it right now, but that for me was like a really part of my healing process too. So yeah, it totally makes sense that it would be a part of sort of my, my songwriting and my voice in the world. Is I mean, dude, like, like the childhood aspect of things and wonder all of that is like, that is so much a part of like what I want to be sharing in the world. Like getting back to that. We, we're encumbered by so many things in life and we don't even realize it sometimes. And sometimes when you're hyper self-aware about it, it's even, it can be even worse because you're like, oh my God, I have so many problems. Ugh. But um, I think I think the weight of that, it just needs to be lifted off of you because 
how can how can we walk through life if we have all this shit on top of us? There's a the refrain in the song Blue uh, you have just mm-hmm. hoping someone is going to come and save the day. Mm-hmm. Can you read that chorus for me? Um, you can wish and hope and pray for someone to come along and take the blame or the first ones come along and save the day. Isn't that what Jesus came to do now? I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you totally like rhyme like on a totally different line at that. I kept it was like, oh, she's gonna come back around with that. Nope. What did it what did they not do? I don't know. Well, that is not rhyming with anything really. It doesn't. It's just like this ultimate question where like It's just like well, I we, don't know what to do with that. We were told yes. that Jesus or someone like him was going yeah. to take yeah. all our sins and all our you know, all yeah. the blame and all he's gonna come and save us and we're still kind of on our own. Yeah, you know? totally. And I mean when I when I wrote that song, that's that's where I was at. Because like I grew up in the the Christian world with that worldview, um, and when I wrote that song, I was basically just like, really, it had that my idea of what who, who Jesus was was, I don't know, it changed for me and was sort of taken away, it, and it was such a bummer, man. I felt like I was walking around in the dark for a while, and. Yeah, that's when I wrote that song and and I wanted to write it in sort of a funny way because everyone gets depressed and everyone gets, you know, bummed out about like things that they believed in and having them actually be different than you thought they were or getting disappointed in a person that you thought you could trust or, you know, your own parents or whatever. And yeah, I wanted to write it in sort of a funny way because I didn't want it to be too depressing. I we also recorded it, uh, and like we very sped it, my voice, so mm. it would sound like I was younger, mm. which was like a trick. We were like goofing out on like geeking out on like uh, like what the Beatles were doing at the time, and I'd read like this book about um, Jeff. I forget his last name, but he did all the engineering for them when he was like a teenager or mm. something. Um, and that's what they did on When I'm 64 mm. on Paul's voice. They, I forget how, what the process is. Like AJ would probably make fun of me right now, but basically, like they sped up his, sped up his voice to make it sound like he was younger. And I was like, "We should do that. We should do that on Blue. I want to do that on Blue." So that's what we did. If you could tell your sixteen-year-old self something right now, what would that be? Mm. What would that be? Just don't be afraid to be yourself in the world. Mm. I I was so afraid. And I think that we're here to be ourselves. There's only one of us. Yeah. And and I think that people need to see people being themselves in the world. Mm. And being and accepting themselves in the world because I think everyone wants to feel like they're acceptable in the world. And and I'm not talking about in an egotistical way. I just mean in a healthy way. Like, accept, accept who you are, like, you know, and just be who you are in the world. Like, that's what you're here for. Mm. That's what you're, that's one of your main missions is to be you. Mm-hmm. And I think that the beauty of, like, 
accepting yourself is that you can accept others more mm-hmm. when you're like that. And you can accepting yourself involves a lot of grace too, because mm-hmm. you're not perfect. And that also means that you can have grace for other people because they're not perfect. And then it also means you can like enjoy other people way more too. Because when you don't accept yourself, you end up comparing yourself to others, mm. which doesn't mean, which basically means like if you're running this race of life and you're constantly looking to see what everyone else is doing and you're not thankful for what you have in front of you, how, yeah, I think gratefulness how can you, is how can you key, really yeah. like, how can you really have like a, a supportive relationship with another human being mm. if you're like jealous of them mm-hmm. of what they have or envious of what they have or or wish that you had something that they had like you can't really love another person when you have that mm-hmm. like when you're like comparing it's like so and that's a really that's a hard thing to do if you could have a duet with anyone dead or alive Oh no, don't do this to me. <laughs> Just around this mic, you could bring him back from the dead right now. Who would it be? Oh. Questions like this make me so anxious. Because <laughs> I feel There's like no it's, wrong answer. it's just going to reveal, like, how, like, uh,. Maybe we can circle back around. And now. we're going to circle back, and first, we're going to do a little creative exercise. Oh. Cool. I'm going to say a word. First thing that comes to your mind is... I say disease. Slavery. Mm. Velocity. Anxiety. Are you, afra- are you afraid to fly on planes? No, I love... I like flying. I wish I could fly. But velocity makes me think of speed, which makes me think of rushing around and mm. how people are, myself included, always hustling. Have you been in a car accident ever? Mm-hmm. I mean, minor ones, but not like bad, bad ones. That's good. I escaped death once, though, because, um, yeah, that's a whole other conversation. Anyway. I think you should continue with that thought. Oh, well, it was like... a car accident that didn't happen like my ex was driving my mom was in the passenger seat my youngest sister Lydia was sitting in the middle and I was in the back reading a a book to my other two sisters Justine and Jesse and all of the sudden we were on the highway in Florida all of a sudden we were like slowly bumping into like the median which in Florida there's always grass in the median and I was like I look up and I was like what's going on and we stop and like my ex had seen this huge truck barreling through the median. Oh my god. And it was going to hit our car. Like and head on? Yes. Oh my god. And he got out of the way, like and it hit like three other cars and everyone died. Oh my god. It was like horrific. Right behind you? Yeah, right behind us. Oh, because we Jesus. stopped the car and my mom and my ex ran out and like like there was just it was it was it was terrible. Did the tr- I, truck driver like fall asleep or something? I don't remember. It was literally like twenty years ago, oh, well. so it was scary. But but flying though, like I've jumped out of an airplane. Like I've oh you've 
I went skydiving. I went skydiving for my 29th birthday and it was like the coolest thing in the world. I don't know if I would do it again, but yeah, that the jumping out of the airplane, that was awesome. Let's keep going. I say hatefulness. Mm. Evil. <laughs> evil. Evil. <laughs> what is the most evil thing right now in the world? Oh, God. For me, it's Fox News. Continue. <laughs> I mean, sex trafficking is pretty evil. Okay, you win. <laughs> All right, last one. Rainfall. Refreshment. It is kind of refreshing here in California when we actually get rain. Mm-hmm. It's like we're on vacation from our everyday life. Yeah. I love the rain here because of that. But I've had a leaky window <laughs> this whole time, too. So I've been catching rain in a bucket inside my apartment. Would you like to play a song? Sure. Shall we tune this guitar? Yeah, sure. Do you want to give any more information about the song before you go? Just let it rip. Hmm. What is the log line? The Hollywood log line of this song? The elevator pitch for Everything's Fine is... It's like when you're in a relationship with someone and uh, you get to that place where you know this isn't going to be the person that you're with forever, but you still want to hold on and pretend everything will be okay the next day because um, you don't want to have to go through that hurt of like breaking up and being alone and hurting each other and all of that stuff, so... It's like the crux of the relationship where you're like, okay, this isn't working, let's move on. But it's that moment where you're, that where you're stuck in time, whether however long that is. Sometimes that can take a long time for people to get out of that time period. Yeah, if you've been in, in those long-term relationships where you, you know that it's over, but there's this sweet hopefulness that maybe we can fix it. Yeah, that's what that's all about. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Everything's fine. Everything is fine. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about the past How it seems like nothing ever lasts All the moments and the memories in my brain Spin around to the beginning just the same you and I were like a song By the bridge we knew that it was wrong By the time we had become a throwaway It's been precious years rewriting shades of gray But I don't want to say it It's over Let's hold on for a while Give it time Give me a minute Maybe tomorrow we'll find Everything's fine Shitting down it never lasts Sinking ships all have a torn up mast But the comforts of tradition and routine Were holding us together at the scene 
she goes miss jamie drake you can go to jamiedrakemusic.com for her tour dates uh her new record will be coming out in september september 20th on anti-fragile it's called everything's fine and that song is a single on spotify right now and the newest single is called redwood tree it will be dropping friday new music friday it's a thing all the cool kids are doing it and if you go to thebluegrasssituation.com, uh, back in 2018, she did a wonderful video, a sitch session, as it were, of Allison. Not the Elvis Costello one, her own version, and it feels like it should be in a movie in the 70s. I'm just saying, if we could go back in time and put it in one of those movies like uh, The Graduate, uh, that would be great. A big thanks, as always, to everyone who's uh, written a review on iTunes or shared this show with their friends. Um, I want to give some love to the people who have written reviews, such as uh, K.S. Smith, who said, you know what? Quality interviews, to the point, interesting subjects, I'm hooked. You know what? No one really has ever said that I'm to the point. Um, <laughs> so I appreciate that, Mr. Smith. And... Um, Jim XK said, uh, I saw Dust Bowl Revival with Hot Club of Cowtown in March 2019. Enjoyed it a lot. I then discovered his podcast and has a good balanced conversation. No hype. Also, you know what? I'm impressed, Jim XK, because all I do is hype the artists that I feel like need love. Because you know what? Bands that are touring the highways and byways of this country, flinging their music into the universe for the first time, they need your support. They need your hype. If I can spread a little more love through this podcast, great. 
And you know what? There's people who actually have their own podcasts that have been on the show, like B. Beeman, the wonderful Sri Lankan-American singer-songwriter. He has a podcast called Peace of Mind that actually talks about politics and music and actually releases one by one the songs of his newest record, Peace of Mind. It's innovative. It's exciting. He talks to people like Dave Eggers and people at the ACLU. It's amazing to listen to. My group, Dust Bowl Revival, will be uh, hopscotching around on weekends this summer. Uh, We'll be playing Seattle at the Tractor Tavern this coming Sunday, July 21st. And then uh, at the end of August, we will be playing the Rhythm and Roots Festival in Rhode Island. Also, the 8x10 in Baltimore, Maryland, and the Appaloosa Fest outside D.C. in Virginia. And also, one of my favorite festivals in the whole country, we'll be back on the Virginia-Tennessee border at Bristol Rhythm and Roots Reunion. And the Bluegrass Situation Stage at Bourbon and Beyond in Louisville, Kentucky, September 22nd. Look out for us. We're coming at you. The show on the road is hosted by me, Zach Lupiton, and produced by the handsome Hawaiian Chris Jacobs with support from the Bluegrass Situation team. If you love the show on the road, please leave us a review or rating over at iTunes.com slash show on the road. Tell your friends and also be sure to check out BGS's ever-growing collection of podcasts up right now on the bluegrasssituation.com. The show on the road is a part of the BGS Podcast Network. This is Zach Lubiton. See you on the trail. <laughs>